0: Welcome to U News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Tuesday, May 26. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. Here are today's headlines. Risky reopening as states ease coronavirus restrictions. Scenes of packed pools, beaches and parties marking the unofficial first day of summer. A tale of two parties. Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden makes his first public appearance in two months wearing a mask. While President Trump disregards his own guidelines, goes maskless and mocks Biden. And Brazil travel ban. As cases soar in Latin America, President Trump puts new travel restrictions into effect. This and much more today on You News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. Outbreaks at food processing plants are still a big problem. Officials in Los Angeles County revealing ongoing outbreaks at nine industrial food plants that range from meat and tea processing to coffee and frozen food. Now moving on to politics on the pandemic angle. President Trump wrapped up Memorial Day weekend honoring fallen soldiers, but he also opened up a new line of attack threatening to pull the Republican National Convention out of Charlotte, North Carolina, if Republicans are not allowed to fully occupy the venue in late August. Andrea Linares has the latest.
1: President Trump laid a wreath at Arlington National Cemetery on Memorial Day to honor those who have sacrificed their lives and addressed coronavirus as he remembered fallen soldiers.
2: In recent months, our nation and the world have been engaged in a new form of battle against an invisible enemy.
1: At the memorial, Trump didn't wear a mask. Meanwhile, Democratic presidential candidate Joe Biden and his wife, Jill, sported a face mask as they laid a wreath at the Delaware Memorial Bridge Veterans Memorial Park. Trump later retweeting Fox News analyst Britt Hume's criticism of Biden for wearing a mask in public. The message said, this might help explain why Trump doesn't like to wear a mask in public. Biden today. The tweet included a photo of Biden wearing a black mask and sunglasses. With indoor entertainment venues still closed, the president is now threatening to move the Republican National Convention from Charlotte if Democratic Governor Roe Cooper is unable to guarantee that by August we will be allowed full attendance in the arena.
3: When people gather together, one person can be the spark to spread the virus to many.
1: The convention has been planned for months and is scheduled for late August, but the coronavirus pandemic has threatened to upend both it and a Democratic National Convention. Vice President Mike Pence said they may move it to a state further along in reopening.
0: We all want to be in Charlotte. We love North Carolina, uh, but uh, having a sense now is absolutely essential because of the immense preparations
2: that are involved.
1: As the death toll from coronavirus nears six digits, the White House making it clear states are responsible for formulating and implementing testing plans, telling Congress in an 81-page report that the government will acquire 100 million swabs to help. The plan was quickly condemned by Democrats, who say the plan paints a rosy picture of the current state of testing. And over the weekend, President Trump was seen playing golf twice at his club. He later complained about the media's coverage of him enjoying the sport. Though he often criticized Barack Obama for golfing while in office, Trump said he was only exercising and accused the press of portraying it as a mortal sin. Texas GOP Chairman James Dickey said the state would welcome the RNC in late August as President Trump threatens to move this event from North Carolina. However, not every Texan official was keen on this idea. A Dallas County judge came out saying that the last thing needed right now is a large gathering of nationwide visitors. In Miami, Florida,
0: Andrea Linares, U News. Thank you, Andrea Linares, for that report. And now back to Janet Rodriguez in D.C. on the Trump administration's new travel restrictions to go into effect tonight, barring foreigners who have recently been to Brazil from entering the U.S. Janet, what's the latest?
4: That's right, Lorraine. This uh, travel ban was supposed to take effect on Thursday. It was issued on Sunday. They we're going to give about five days for those individuals to be able to come back to the U.S. But given that increasing numbers, rapid increasing numbers in Brazil, the administration decided to move up that travel ban starting today. And what does that mean is that no one that is a not a U.S. citizen or a U.S. resident will be able to come into the U.S. if they had been in Brazil for the past 14 days, and this is until further notice. What the White House is saying is they they don't want for Brazil to become a point of infection here in the U.S., and for people traveling from Brazil into the U.S. to bring that coronavirus here to the country where we're trying to reopen and move on. The administration does make clear that commercial flights between both countries will continue uh, to happen, and this will not be affected by the travel ban. And this is a ban that that had been pushed by the governor of Florida, by uh, Administration officials there in South Florida that had been telling the White House that this was necessary. That they had been very concerned because most of the flights incoming from Brazil were stopping first in South Florida, and they were worried that 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 there would be an outbreak coming in from that country. So the president finally took that measure on Sunday, and this is very very similar to that travel ban that we already have going with Europe, with China, and now the question is whether. There will be action taken against Russia. Russia is uh, now up uh, there with Brazil with over 300,000 cases of confirmed coronavirus cases. And the White House is not answering questions whether they will be next on the list. But there is pressure for just like Brazil for Russia to, to be, to have a travel ban implemented by this White House as soon as possible. Back to you.
0: Well, we'll certainly be keeping an eye on it. Thank you so much. Janet Rodriguez in Washington, D.C. And staying in the region as Brazil and other Latin American countries struggle with surging cases, the World Health Organization is warning of a second wave for countries there appear to have peaked. Dr. Ali Khan, an epidemiologist and the dean of the Public Health College at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. Dr. Khan, the WHO says we're still in the first wave of the pandemic. With cases still rising globally, are nations, including the U.S., letting their guard down?
2: Oh, and WHO is correct. So nothing's fundamentally changed, right? The virus hasn't gone away, and at best, for for example, in the United States, instead of 100, instead of 100% of people susceptible, only now 95% of people are susceptible. So yes, absolutely, Americans still need to be careful about this virus, and we still need strong public health measures to make sure that we drive down community transmission. And uh, the virus uh, in here in the United States, we're still seeing approximately 20,000 cases a day. So people talk about the second wave, and I really worry about trying to get this first wave down to zero cases.
0: And Dr. Khan, in the U.S., we're reaching 100,000 cases, and over the weekend, we saw pool parties and not enough social distancing. Is there a way to reverse people's behaviors?
2: So this hundred thousand cases, without a doubt, a grim, grim milestone. But you know, has tried, You know, ninety-nine thousand nine hundred and ninety-nine is as tragic deaths as a hundred thousand and one, and this puts us at approximately three hundred uh, deaths per million, uh, which is about, I think, in the top ten of all countries. So really, a tragic uh, milestone and a reminder to people that this is not the flu. This is a really serious disease. And we need to be very careful as we go out there to take personal protective measures. So that means masks, hand washing, and social distancing. But that also means holding our elected officials accountable to get transmission down in our communities. There's only one thing we know about this disease, which is that if we find cases and isolate them, If we find contacts and quarantine them, we can drive down transmission within our communities. We see this in China, zero cases, New Zealand, South Korea, Taiwan, Hong Kong, they all are almost virus free due to good public health. And we can have that right here in the United States.
0: And Dr. Khan, now that you talk about flattening the curve. A majority of voters said wearing face masks should be required in both indoor and outdoor public spaces. But many people are resisting, including the president. What is your advice?
2: So my advice is everybody over two should be wearing a face mask. And you wear a face mask for two main purposes. The main purpose is because even before you get sick, you can be shedding virus. So if you wear a face mask, you're protecting other people. The second reason you wear a face mask is if people are coughing or spitting or sneezing on you, it protects you. Then if you're wearing a face mask, it actually allows you to be out and about. It helps the reopening process because that is one of the measures a face mask, hand washing and social distancing. So it allows you to be out and about.
0: And doctor, my last question, a new vaccine has started human trials. It's called Novavax, making it one of at least 10 vaccines now being tested globally for COVID-19. What is the realistic expectation for a coronavirus vaccine?
2: So yeah, correct. There's numerous vaccines. There's over a hundred vaccine candidates, about a dozen that are already in human trials. Um, we're very optimistic that we will have a vaccine, but I always tell people to be cautious. You know, there's uh, viruses such as HIV for which we still don't have vaccines. So we can reopen without a vaccine if we have good public health. And again, I remind your audience, you know, China doesn't have a vaccine or drug, but they have no cases of very few cases. So we can have that here in the United States without a vaccine. All we need is for public health to get those cases down in our communities without a vaccine or a drug.
0: Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ali Khan-Dean from the University of Nebraska Medical Center for your time.
2: Real pleasure. Thank you.
0: Welcome back to U News. The state of California has released new guidelines to allow for the reopening of churches and other places of worship in in person services. The new guidelines say staff, volunteers, and congregants should wear face masks when in the vicinity of others. Also, seating and podium areas must be rearranged to allow for six feet of space between people. The guidelines also ask places of worship to strongly consider discontinuing singing, group recitation, and other practices and performances where there is increased likelihood for transmission from contaminated exhaled droplets. There's been a coronavirus outbreak out of Vancouver food processing plants. As of Monday, 65 employees at Firestone Pacific Foods have tested positive. The food processing plant said 87 people tested negative and a few workers have not been tested. The local public health department ordered the facility to stop operations on May 19 to prevent the continued spread of the virus between employees. A hospital worker was on the verge of losing his battle against the coronavirus but after being placed on a ventilator three times he finally recovered, celebrating with his colleagues and family. Peggy Garranza has the details from Jefferson, New York.
3: This is the sound of victory. Ricardo Ramirez won an unfair war against the coronavirus.
2: You know, thank you all of you for coming. I appreciate it. And these people, Tony, me he means a lot to me.
3: He was intubated three times in a span of 40 days. Uno de esos días que yo lo vi One of those days I saw him almost dead, said his wife. The ventilators that kept him alive are part of the equipment that he repairs as a biomedical technician in the hospital where he works and almost died. He told me, Junior, you are the man of the house and you have to take care of your sister and your mom, said his son. Thank you. (laughs) Fortunately, Ricardo survived, according to them, with the help of the drug Remdesivir. I was very weak. The medicine was very strong, said Ricardo. The process was so devastating that he lost 50 pounds so he had to receive rehabilitation to walk again and to strengthen his legs.
5: Obviously,
3: this is a miracle from God, said his brother. Now he thanks his colleagues for giving him the opportunity to reunite with his family after almost two months.
2: I appreciate
3: being able to touch them, said Ricardo. The recovery process for Ricardo is going to be long and includes a kidney treatment that he says he will receive with pleasure, knowing that the worst is over. In Port Jefferson, New York, Peggy Carranza,
0: U News. A federal judge is demanding better answers from the Trump administration about why it hasn't released hundreds of parents and children from immigration detention centers in the wake of the pandemic. Juan Carlos Gonzalez has the details and reactions to the delays and now to a mother is facing trial. Let's go to the
6: story. Immigration and Custom Enforcement, or ICE, has ignored a judge orders to free approximately 350 minors and their parents who remain in custody in their detention centers. A court has already mandated its administration to release the children if they are detained. However, the administration continues to detain children. Federal Judge Dolly M.G. ordered ICE to explain why they haven't complied with the orders and are keeping the kids in detention centers. In the meantime, families continue suffering, according to this activist. And here they are in detention facilities, children with their parents being totally uh, disregarded as far as their health is concerned, oftentimes with no mask, oftentimes with no tests. He says that having them in these conditions puts their health and lives at risk. And to have these children exposed to this type of situation is is unacceptable. Activists and immigration attorneys have complained that ICE is conditioning the release of the children. Saying that parents should be detained while the children are released to a co-sponsor, but at the end of the day, that's a catch-22. Parents have to decide whether they should remain detained while children are released and that separation of families. The hardest part, according to this attorney, is knowing what will happen to these kids' parents. And if the administration cannot find an explanation, they will have no other recourse but to release these children along with their parents. According to attorney Alex Galvez, a judge should be the one who decides the fate of these children and the fate of their parents. In Los Angeles, Juan Carlos Gonzalez, unions
0: More of you News after this short break. Welcome back to U News. The president of Peru says coronavirus infections have reached a plateau in the country and citizens should expect a gradual and slow decrease of cases. The comments come as the government extended the country's state of emergency and nationwide lockdown until the end of June. It marks one of the longest periods of mandatory isolation in the world. Peru's confirms coronavirus cases rose to 124,000, the second highest total in Latin America. And now to Argentina, where protesters gathered in the Plaza de Mayo in Buenos Aires to demand the government lift the quarantine that's been in force since March 20th. The protest came during celebrations to mark Argentina's independence from Spain. Some of the demonstrators chanted slogans against the quarantine and against the development of a vaccine. And dozens of health care workers in Mexico City blocked main roads to demand the government provide them with the proper personal protective equipment. Nurses say equipment is either hard to come by or poorly made, leaving them prone to infection. They also complain about their workload and having to train university graduates during the health emergency. Some potentially promising news in the war against the coronavirus. Mexican scientists have designed a quick test to detect the virus, mainly in patients with mild symptoms or who are asymptomatic. As Paulina Gomez explains, it's a step forward that could help reduce the rising number of cases.
5: Fifteen minutes is all it takes to find out if someone has been infected with coronavirus thanks to a group of scientists in Mexico who have developed a portable device linked to a cell phone that detects the virus. This kind of quick test could help reach many corners of the country because it uses simple equipment and is cheap and even would allow us to test those who don't show symptoms. The test that only requires a blood sample was created in a lab at the Investigation and Advanced Study Center and will help people avoid the risks involved with going to a hospital or a lab. This is a molecular test with 100% specificity and high sensitivity, and it detects the presence of the virus, not the presence of antibodies against the virus.
6: Test, test, test. The World Health Organization
5: has repeatedly called for carrying out as many COVID-19 tests as possible, mainly for suspected cases.
6: You cannot fight a fire blindfolded and we cannot stop this pandemic if we don't know who is infected.
5: At this critical time when Mexico is beginning to reopen the economy, testing to detect infected people will be
6: key.
5: This test will allow us to have evidence of how many people are being infected by the virus in any given day, and how this tendency can decrease, therefore giving us certainty as we go back to work. This advanced genomic unit is also working on developing mass testing for more than 19,000 people at the same time. Despite the efforts from the scientific community to find reliable tests to detect the virus, concerns remain as Mexican health authorities dispute their effectiveness to contain the
0: pandemic. Paulina gomez Bulchiner in Mexico City, U News. And Latin America's largest airline is filing for bankruptcy. LATAM Airlines says the company and its affiliates in the United States, Chile, Peru, Colombia and Ecuador have filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy protection in the U.S. LATAM's shareholders include Delta Airlines. The Chapter 11 filing would enable the Chilean carrier to continue operations on a reduced schedule as it looks to restructure and pay creditors. Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.